Hey, I'm Robert Pearson, and this is Follow the Leader. And those are sirens. This is the time I sit down and we talk about Bible stuff and how it makes us better men. We are in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. This is an interesting passage, and uh, there's some some uh, some important stuff here. So, here we go. Now it came about, when men began to multiply in the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in the daughters of men. And they bore children to them, and these were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So this is the setup for what will become the flood epic. And for a sense of focus, we're going to skip over the sons of God, daughters of men discussion. Uh, there are... The scholars are divided on both sides, whether or not this is some kind of supernatural event, or there are some regular humans referred to as the sons of God. Not messing with it. Not important right now for what we're looking at. Um, so, what do we have going on here? The... Uh, stuff we can learn from this, God says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his day shall be 120. So here we get the kind of upper limit lifespan for humans declared by God. Um, obviously not everybody gets to, but basically no one lives past about 120. I think there are a few, few oldest people, like Guinness record holders, that are... Uh, break the uh, the 120 mark but not not more than one or two so and it says because he also is flesh this doesn't mean that god is flesh but rather that man is spirit and flesh so my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh man is spirit and flesh the mixture of those the soul spirit and body and uh into one being we're not like three different disassociated parts kind of wandering together. Um, but we're, we're one complete uh, being, and it's, it's in the combination of a soul, a spirit, and a body that you have a man. And so uh, a lot of people wrongly think it's a, it's a little more of a Greek philosophy outlook where you think, well, I'm a soul in a body, and the body dies, and the soul lives on, and that's, I'm just the soul in a body. No, you are a body and a soul together is what you are. So if you remove the soul, the body dies. The soul is not you. The soul, a combination of a soul and a body, is you. Uh, it's the, the unique construction that we have as humans. That's why we get resurrection bodies later at the, the end of the book. We upgrade for a newer model, but it's like taking the engine out of a car and saying, well, it's still a car. 
not really. It doesn't do anything a car does. And it's like taking the engine and holding the engine up and going, this is really a car. No, it's not. It's when you put the engine inside of the body that you now have a car that is useful to do things. Otherwise, it's just an engine or just a frame. Similar kind of idea. And that those are parts of us don't think that I'm really the spirit inside of this meat bag, driving it like a car. You're not the driver, you're the car. So, anyway, that's what's going on there. And it means we're going to keel over. So the main idea here, though, is humans have a large capacity for screwing up. So much so that we can make God regret having made us to begin with. That's pretty big capacity for uh, evil and depravity. So, God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So a lot of people point at this and say, oh, well, all humans are, are evil from birth. But if that's so, then why, why how did Noah find favor in the eyes of the Lord? Because right after that, it says he was a righteous man, blameless in his time. But I thought everybody has only evil thoughts forever. I don't understand. Maybe this is a generalization. And at the time, because the Earth's population is still pretty small, we are talking before the Flood, Noah might just be the only one on the planet who isn't screwing up royally. And uh, not going to dive into too much of the theological stuff, but just the idea that people are capable of some terrible wickedness. Um, there's some theological arguments over uh, how exactly did it say God say that he's sorry or it repented the Lord that he made men in the, the King James. Um, and it's, what? God is repenting? <clears throat> not exactly. Once again, we'll leave that to the, the scholarly types to, to argue and bicker over and tear apart the Hebrew and Septuagint and nonsense. Um, but just for right now, people are capable of so much evil that God can go, Ugh, was this really a good idea? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So even in this, it was still possible for a man who did his best to do what's right to find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Because Noah's not perfect. Right after the flood, the dude runs out and gets drunk. The first thing he does after the flood, he builds a vineyard, makes wine, gets drunk, passes out. So he's not exactly a flawless person, but he uh, walked with God. I really should have extended this to verse 9. Um, but he's a righteous man, blameless in his time. Walked, Noah walked with God. So, this is before Jesus, this is before um, individual believers having the Holy Spirit. Simply having faith in God is enough to walk with God, to get closer to Him. Um, obviously, in the some of the deeper parts of uh, Paul, he explains that having uh, Abraham having faith that God would resurrect Isaac means that he sort of roundabout had faith in, in Jesus. So it's it's still the path 
to God is through the cross. Um, these guys had kind of a, a roundabout path uh, because of their timing in uh, the history of humanity. Um, but just that understanding, not that uh, you can earn your way to heaven, but that simply doing what's right is a thing that you're able to do, a thing that you probably should do, and something that um, has God smile on you. And um, The thing is, you're still guilty of all of your sin until the atoning work of Christ is in your life. So, it's, it's still important to note, though, that humans are capable of doing good, and doing good pleases God. And you have to take that information and understand that that's true. At the same time, it's true that none are righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Those things are both true. You can just be the cleanest hobo at the city dump. So when you move into um, being covered with the atoning work of Jesus Christ, it would behoove you not to continue to wallow in the sins that you were in, which is stuff Paul continues to say as well. You just got to understand, it's not that you shouldn't do good works, but that you need to understand those good works don't earn you anything. They're kind of expected. It's what makes you a human is your behave that way. And if you're not behaving that way, you kind of stop being a human. You're not humaning right. So what's the main idea here is that people are capable of terrible evil, although it is possible to to move in another direction and uh, not be evil. So what does it mean for us? Uh, it means that we have a potential to get our act together, and we also have a potential to really wallow in depravity and, and do some terrible stuff. Uh, so what hope do we see in Noah? Oh man, I just bled through all of these questions. I, was, I tried to go question by question, and I just realized in my, my rambling, I kind of hit through all of them, which is fine. Because <clears throat> that's that's our hope in Noah, is it is possible to find favor in the eyes of the Lord through right action, through obeying His commandments. Noah didn't have a whole lot to go on. And we have a lot more to go on. Uh, the commandments that we have being to love God with all of our heart, soul, might, and strength. And also to uh, love our neighbor as ourselves. And the new commandment that Jesus gave us, that we love one another as he has loved us. And that as Christians we'll be known by our love. And living that out, you're going to then, of course, be in the, the camp where you do what's right and find favor in the eyes of God. So, solid stuff. That's all I got for you right now. Please hop down below, answer a question, leave a question, tell me I'm wrong, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Godspeed.